Retail crime now and the ways technology is aiding the criminals, but also how it's helping to thwart them. The latest retail crime report put the overall cost of retail crime at more than $2.5 billion. Roughly half of that, $1.4 billion, is what's stolen, and the other half, the direct costs of loss prevention. In a moment, Aurora uh, CEO Phil Thompson is with us. Now, he has a platform that's helping retailers stem their losses and protect their staff. Uh, it's been a few years in the making. It's now being used in several countries as well as here. Retail New Zealand's Carolyn Young is with us first on some of the ways the crims are cheating the system with tech, including using social media to pass tips on to others. Good morning, Carolyn. Morena, and happy new year. Thank you, and same to you, and same to those, I'm sure, in your uh, line of business who have worked all through the summer months. Uh, the report came out late last year. We discussed at the time, I think, that figure. Just break it down for us again. Well, yes, so the, um, the cost of retail crime from our members is $2.6 billion. Um, you know, 82% of um, the, the loss, the, the, the shrinkage as such as in shoplifting, there's um, 61% of threatening behaviour, there's criminal damage causing 51%, there's begging or nuisance, there's a, a, a lot of various types of crime that are committed, but we are seeing a significant increase in aggressive and violent behaviour towards staff um, in stores, and that um, is of prime concern to uh, business owners. How is that being combated? There's stores large and small. There's the supermarkets, of course, with multiple staff and perhaps with some security, and then there's the small stores. I was reading an example uh, of a shop where you were quoted a day or two ago um, you know, where someone just walks in and walks out with something and, and what is that owner supposed to do? Uh, what's the story with aggression and threats of violence? Yeah, it's a really difficult environment that we're moving into and it's not something that we're familiar with in New Zealand and it's sort of following some trends we've seen from overseas. Certainly, um, the police have been working really hard. There's a national crime unit that was established um, 18 months, two years ago, and they've been doing a really great job working with retailers and giving them advice around what are the key things that that, uh, they need to do in the stores. Uh, Training is is significantly important, really understanding how to identify um, who's coming into your store, what your normal um, customer looks like, what are the behaviours you'd expect to see, you know, what are the lines of sight that you've got on um, your products and people within the store and approaching the store. When do you just stand back versus take action? You know, obviously, these days you just don't know exactly what someone's going to do. So you really want to protect your staff and yourself. Uh, you know, stock can be replaced and whilst insurance excesses continue to grow, it's much better to be able to um, stand back and not get hurt. You know, we've seen situations where people get, um, you know, significantly injured and or um, are killed, and so that's not where we want to be. So that's why most, in most instances, people stand back and let uh, someone come in okay. and do something. Let's talk about quantifying the loss through shoplifting, through theft, uh, and then we'll get into some of the tech. Is it hard to quantify losses? Is it often after the event when you realise something you thought was on the shelf that you've promised to someone isn't there? Or or, or when there's a big gap between your stock and what's come through the till? Yes, and so that's absolutely right. There's, you know, that some of the smaller items that go through, it's hard to be on top of absolutely everything, especially if you're in a busy store. Um, And 
and not all crime is reported either, and not it's not all identified. And and but if you actually record and report everything, it means we're actually getting a truer picture of actually the extent of the issue. And then the police also have the data that they can go and talk to government about the levels of support that they need in order to support the retail system. Let's talk about the tech. First of all, the social mm. media side of things has mm. it become a, a a bit of a boasting ground and a, and a tip sharing platform? Absolutely, that, that is what we've seen. Is that um, certainly there's young people that have gone out and done some audacious or brazen um, uh, activity, whether it's based around violence or based around theft. And then what happens is that they put it out on social media just to gain notoriety and to become famous. Um, and it's not about the, um, what they're stealing, it's about the action they've taken and how brazen they've been. And then the other thing that we've also seen is, you know, the internet and social media these days gives instant information to people. And so when um, groups of criminals get together, they what happens is that they've been undertaking an activity where they've been stealing in a certain type of store those shops have then become fortified over a period of time and it no longer is feasible. So they move on to another type of retail outlet and then they just circulate out what they've done and how they've done it and then that occurs in other parts of the country. Kind of like TripAdvisor for thefts, is it? Um, Something like that. Okay. Let's talk about some of the other ways the technology's been used to cheat the system. What's the story with barcode swapping? Yeah, so um, the self-checkouts have been um, an issue where people are are not scanning items through at the self-checkout as as what they are. So people will do all sorts of things like weigh a a heavier item um, and and scan it in as a lower-priced item. Uh, You know, so therefore when they go through that they are... um, the the price they pay is actually lower. Uh, so you're doing things like that means that uh, that's still theft, right? That's you, you're not paying. Is there a way of combating that? Do, do you need to have the actual price come up on a big screen so that everyone can see it? Well, not, you not, still not, need not, to have a lot of staff monitoring, and then yeah. you might as well be going through a checkout um, that's not a self checkout. I certainly know that there's more cameras coming into. Um, stores. If you go to Australia, I was in Australia last year, and at the supermarket, you know that your photo, your you know, there's a video of yourself on the screen as you're scanning items through. So it's really obvious that you're being filmed in terms of those situations. But um, so you know, certainly a lot more scrutiny and a lot more um, closer inspection around what actions are actually being taken by individuals is, is required. Okay, now we've talked previously about the facial recognition Mm. technology Mm. trial that foodstuffs are doing. Privacy Commissioner, I have to say, was a little bit cooler on that than uh, intimated at the time. Uh, But nonetheless, that trial is going ahead. But what are some of the other tech prospects that more and more retailers are showing interest in? That's probably the big one um, from from the bigger side of things. I know there are some retail stores that are um, doing... Uh, number plate recognition so that when a customer comes into their car park, so this is obviously a bigger store that has got a large car park, it can be identified and they can get turned around at the front um, before they get into the store they can get turned around so that you know, you've been trespassed, you're not welcome here um, and so that's been successful um, so certainly the, the facial recognition technology um, the trial has yet to start so that hasn't started yet but it will do shortly um, they're kind of the key areas that 
um, retailers are looking at. CCTV is very common. You know, it's used right across, um, you know, wide variety of stores. Um, so it's really common okay. for... Just very quickly, how responsive are the police to complaints? Look, they're doing the best they can. Certainly um, they respond to a large number of complaints that come through, but they can't reach everyone. They just don't have the numbers. Um, and, and then I guess the second part of it, as we've talked about before, is the, the justice system isn't that efficient. So when the police apprehend um, an offender, they charge them with... Uh, a crime, and then it takes 18 months, two years to get through the court system. And there's just not a, a, a quick enough deterrent and a, and a strong enough deterrent to stop people reoffending. That's crazy when stuff. A, a the third time, of retailers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the retailers are telling us a third of the offending in their stores is from recidivist offenders, so people coming back and doing things again and again. Um, so there needs to be greater deterrence and they need to get through the system quicker. Thank you, Carolyn Young, who is Retail New Zealand's uh, head. Now, Phil Thompson is Chief Executive of Aura. The Kiwi Company's platform has been picking, uh, being picked up by major retailers here in Australia, the United States and the UK. Phil, uh, good morning. I know it's been a few years uh, in the building in the um, building of the business, but picking up well and truly now in terms of the number of retailers and countries interested, just explain us a bit more about the history of the company and what it does. Welcome. Yeah, good morning. Uh, yeah, we, we've been around for about 10 years now, um, and quite simply, we came across this problem with retail crime uh, through the media. Uh, and when we looked into it, and I think that at the time uh, it was about a billion dollars a year uh, in New Zealand alone, uh, globally about $150 billion a year, uh, and that piqued our interest a little bit. And when we when we dug into that problem, no one was really trying to solve that anywhere in the world um, using technology uh, and importantly focusing on the data. So who are the people committing these crimes? Um, and uh, how do retailers firstly know what's really going on in their stores? And then also how do they better engage with police as well? So we've been on this bit of a journey, started in New Zealand, tested it here, um, and like you said, now working right across the world uh, with the likes of Walmart in the US, uh, Marks and Spencers in the UK, uh, and most major retailers in New Zealand and Australia. So how does it actually work? Yeah, good, great, great question. Um, so it's a uh, retail crime reporting platform. Um, so if you can imagine you know, two people walk into a store um, fill up their trolley with um, you know, $1,000 worth of uh, meat. Uh, they turn around, they push that straight back out the front door again, um, yelling abuse um, and or threatening violence along the way. Uh, the retailer has obviously um, seen that, uh, either in person or, or on video, um, and we are the, their reporting platform. Um, so they'll report what's actually occurred, uh, what products have been taken, uh, if they've used a vehicle, uh, and then they can provide that information back to their head office, um, to the other stores in the area, and then also um, engage and communicate with police. So we're modernising the entire process around how retailers capture information uh, and then how police can actually use that um, to focus on those repeat offenders. What do the individual stores have to invest in to do this? What, what kit do they get? Uh, through, through us, nothing. So we're, we're not a um, hard, we're not, we're not cameras. Um, uh, as Carolyn mentioned, uh, all retailers these days have video cameras in their stores. Um, so they, we so are, they, they need some happened. kind of a reporting um, mechanism through to you? Some, 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 simply a website um, or a, or a okay. phone. Um, so they'll use that and then they can then house all their evidence and information in there as well. So rather than having to drive down to a police station with a CD or a USB um, and a paper form, uh, they can simply click a button and it reports it straight through to the police and then police have better visibility over the problem as well. What have you learned from your data about who's doing the shoplifting? 
Yeah, what we've learned is that it's actually not um, opportunistic or, you know, when most people think about retail crime, they do think about shoplifting. Um, but in fact, we've proven out through the data that it's organized retail crime. So 10% of people are doing 60% uh, of the crimes. Um, so this is very sophisticated. Um, people working in groups, they'll target three to five stores a day. Um, they'll then sell the goods for profit. Um, and a lot of it is actually being um, shipped internationally as well. So it's much more sophisticated than probably what um, the public and what we were aware of when we first started the business as well. What difference is this making to what police can do then, particularly on organised criminal groups, if that's what uh, I think your data said, 10% of people doing 60% of the crime, uh, and if a proportion of that is actually organised groups, what, what response has there been from the police? This comes back down to visibility. Um, so you can do, you know, you can work on the things that you can actually see. So firstly, for the retailers themselves, they can better understand uh, who's coming into their stores that are likely to offend. Um, but then importantly, on the police side, they can start to see uh, those groups. Um, and so the National Retail Crime Unit that was set up here in New Zealand, that was based off um, the fact that we could provide that data from right across the retail industry. Um, so they could focus on that top 10%. Um, and they could do that with four or five police officers rather than, you know, a cast of thousands. We've now seen that um, work well in South Australia um, with the police there um, and more, more recently in the UK, that's setting up something similar as well. So focusing on uh, the power few people who are causing most of the harm to the retailers, but actually involved in more serious crime right across the community. Transnational in some instances, Manuka Honey was a target, I understand. Yes, uh, there's um, a, fair, a fair amount of products that are shipped overseas, um, not just from New Zealand. Uh, we've seen um, similar goods like Manuka honey, baby formula, uh, even chocolate, Whitaker's chocolate, um, you know, being um, in large amounts. I'm talking, you know, a shipping container full, $300,000 at a time being sent overseas. Uh, we've seen that go to Southeast Asia uh, and as far away as Saudi Arabia and Poland as well. So this is a, a sophisticated operation. So just to be clear, you're essentially giving a very user-friendly platform where all the parties involved can collaborate, all the data can be kept together, images, these kinds of things. Okay. Um, what about the licence plate recognition? Uh, and, and now we're also going to get into the um, facial recognition stuff as well. Which brings its own challenges. The Privacy Commission is certainly going to have an interest in this trial, for example. Um, where does the licence plate recognition fit into this in the first instance? Yeah, that's that's all about understanding um, if a vehicle enters uh, a car park or um, a fuel forecourt, um, you know, the petrol station, um, if that vehicle had been involved in a previous incident. Um, and so we'll take the likes of um, Z Energy uh, and, and I suppose the petrol stations more generally have uh, everyday people trying to fill up and drive off um, from their stations. And what used to happen in the past, um, the, the store attendant um, would look out the window and decide based on you know, what you looked like, what vehicle you drove, whether or not you'd get petrol. Um, and that involved clearly a whole lot of bias, um, but also it was a really bad customer experience um, for a lot of people. Um, so when you start to layer in technology like license plate recognition, you know, they already had the cameras in place and that technology. We simply plug into that um, so we can then alert that attendant that that vehicle actually did a drive off two weeks ago um, so that they can decide to put that 
particular vehicle on prepay rather than um, the 99% of us um, who do want to legitimately fill up our vehicle and pay then drive away, so they, um, we're not impacted. So they can, from the safety of inside, flip that um, Bowser onto prepay? Exactly. And I think that's the big... Um, you know, the big difference now is that in New Zealand, um, in the last three or four years, you've seen um, drive-offs increase by uh, only 10% over the last four years. Um, and, and when you look at somewhere like Australia, we've seen increases by over 200% um, prior to us entering that market. And in the UK most recently, a 300% increase um, because they aren't using technology um, like New Zealanders right now. So we've got some really good things going on here. Um, but it's not to say that you know retail crime is still a really big problem for retailers and particularly for the retail workers in store who are the ones that are facing um, this abuse every day. What of the facial recognition stuff? Uh, and the privacy issues in general, Do your, does your platform take that into account at all or is that to be determined by the parties using your platform and others? Uh, it's, it's both, actually. So when we first set the company up, um, so my background, I'm a former IP and privacy lawyer, um, and we actually looked at the processes that occurred, and we're pretty astounded at um, the ways that uh, retailers and police were working. Um, you know, again, paper forms, uh, information on USB sticks that can go missing pretty easily, uh, and things like walls of shame on the front of stores. Um, so we looked at ways of how to use technology to make things more privacy compliant, um, and that's really put us in good stead. You know, we work now in the UK um, where they've got GDPR over there, um, similar legislation in the US. We actually help retailers be uh, much more compliant with that. Uh, and you then have uh, a much faster and safer way of providing information, particularly to the police, uh, who can then act on that information. All right, Phil, um, where's the company at in its developments? Because... Obviously, the dreaded AI is going to turn up on steroids uh, in the next few years in terms of what's possible. Uh, and obviously, your firm is in a fairly strong growth phase. Where is the firm at and, and where do you see the future heading? Yeah, it's a really exciting time for us. Um, you know, we're taking on the world from here in New Zealand. All of our R&D occurs here. Um, we're utilising AI now um, to make um, reporting of a crime incident faster, um, using data matching to um, help make those connections across um, who are those 10% of offenders causing 60% uh, of, of that loss. Uh, and so we're up to 150 staff and people right across the world. Uh, and like I said, working with the best and biggest retailers now as well. So uh, the future is very exciting and bright for us. Uh, and we're very excited to be working with retailers and police to really stop crime more in our communities because ultimately crime is a community problem. Thank you. That is Phil Thompson, who is Chief Executive of Auror. That's A-U-R-O-R, if you're wondering how it is spelt.